Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Carl Wonders. And I'm Thad Haight. And this week we're going to be talking about the 50th anniversary film in the Bond franchise, Skyfall. Yes. As the Bond wiki thought was an important thing to note, it is the first one-title Bond film since Goldeneye. Or one-word Bond film since Goldeneye. I'm not sure why that's important, but someone at Bond wiki thought so. (laughs) Very, very critical bit of information there. Oh, I didn't know, right? Yeah. So Skyfall, uh, like I said, was the 50th anniversary. It was released in 2012, so, you know, 50 years on from Dr. No. This is the first of two films now directed by Sam Mendes, who would come back again in Spectre. It was written by usual suspects Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, and this time John Logan came on uh john logan has done all sorts of things i think he first was recognized as the screenwriter for gladiator or one of the screenwriters of gladiator i guess he wrote the script for it uh he you know to bring it back to star trek as always he also wrote the wonderful film star trek nemesis Uh, (laughs) and we'll get to it but some of the issues i have with star trek nemesis actually crop up in this movie too i would still <laughs> say that the the, the nemesis's biggest flaw was the direction not the writing right in in this film stuart baird uh stuck to the editing and he's actually quite a good editor yeah. uh he's edited all kinds of things like going back to superman the movie and all kinds of things uh directing eh, it's a mixed bag, mixed bag i would say um, what else has he directed other than? Oh, he did. Um, he did uh, U.S. Marshals, uh, didn't he? U.S. Marshals, yeah. Which is that's fine. the other. It's a, as far as sequels to the Fugitive go, I guess it's fine. Uh, <laughs> as opposed to all those other sequels. To the Fugitive. <laughs> well, did, did did the Fugitive need a sequel? I don't think so. But well, it's sort know. of like a sidestepping sequel. It's not like yeah. <laughs> now, if Roger Kimball had you know played. Uh, if Har- if they had brought back Harrison Ford instead of Robert Downey Jr., then we, it would be a sequel to The Fugitive. It would be a weird movie. Uh, I, I could see Tommy Lee Jones just like, again? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I still don't care. <laughs> but yeah, I, so this, this film is... Going back to Skyfall, before we go down to the rabbit hole... Um, <laughs> This movie is such a departure from Quantum of Solace in a lot yes. of ways, I think. At the end of that podcast last week, I, I said something along the lines of how this movie diminishes for me every time I watch it. And I haven't seen it in a while, and I have to say I enjoyed it more than I was expecting to, maybe because I've been away from it for so long. It still has a lot of problems for me, mostly starting about halfway through it. So watching this movie, I realized something that sort of bugs me about the entire Craig era uh-huh. is that every movie ends with the feeling like, ah, now we're getting into traditional James Bond territory. Yes. And yet... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only time we got a traditional Bond film in the Craig era, it was Spectre. Uh... Which we'll get to eventually, but... Um... We have to. <laughs> yeah. So, this movie does a couple things that bug me um Mm -hmm. and it does it less so in this movie and it continues in specter much to specter's detriment where it's they're making bond a three-dimensional person Mm -hmm. with feelings and issues and all that stuff and i think 
it really diminishes the character for me in a lot of ways. Like, I don't care about James Bond's emotional needs. We had two, uh, two films and two stories that address that. He, you know, he falls in love in Casino Royale and shuts down because of that. Mm-hmm. You know, he, to, in order to move on and do his job, et cetera. And then he finally let, I'm kind of taking the chronology of the books here. Um, he finally then lets down his guard again, falls in love and marries a woman in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And again, he is traumatized by this experience. And in the interim, he is this emotionally unavailable person who just does his job, does it well, but doesn't become attached to things. I think it's more a, a function of storytelling these days where everyone has to have these multiple facets to them and they have to have motivation and they have to have all these things. And when the show uh, Sherlock was on the air, I think it did the same thing where you had these interesting update to the Arthur Conan Doyle mystery stories early on. And then yeah, when it was good. Yeah. About the third season, they decided to make it about Sherlock and Watson and not about the mystery. And that's where, I think I kind of lost a lot of interest in it because I don't same. care about Sherlock as a person. I care about what he does. And it's the same thing for me with Bond. I don't care about James Bond, the guy. I care about James Bond, the secret agent who goes and does adventures and thwarts villainous plots and things like that. Again, they don't, they kind of do a, a bit of a juggling act with this movie. In the next movie, they, they go full on into his feelings and emotions. And I just don't care, <laughs> to be honest. I don't know how you feel if you agree with that or not, but I, to some extent, I did. Mm-hmm. I enjoy some of it. I enjoy knowing that Bond is human a little bit. Like I liked the fact that he failed his shooting test. Like I liked that. That gets into my second issue, but please <laughs> go ahead. But yeah, no, I I think you're right to some extent. I, I, Bond is the you know secret agent who goes off and saves the world. Yeah, I I don't care what he does when he goes home. I guess is the best way to put it sure. um, to, to go off of the point about him failing a shooting test, which I agree. I think I like that. I like the fact that M lies about it mm-hmm. to, to Mallory to get him back into the field. I like that where I struggle is they, they do a lot to put bond in the box of you're getting to, to, to borrow a phrase from Danny Glover. You're getting too old for this shit. Mm-hmm. This is his third movie. We just had the reboot two movies ago where you became James Bond and now you're already too old for this shit. What is six years later? <laughs> sure. But again, it's it's that mistake, I think, of making the actor the character and not yes. just talking about James Bond. Yeah, no, I didn't like, especially when watching this on 4K Blu-ray, like, I did not like seeing his, like, super craggy, ancient-looking pores right up in my face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. And I and I get that, that Daniel Craig is aging. Sure. And I get, and, but they and, definitely and, exaggerate that with his makeup in this movie. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and I get that it's different. This isn't the 60s where they were literally coming out with a James Bond movie every year. Yeah, you like know, Javier Bardem looks younger than Daniel Craig does in this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, and he's supposed to be the old agent. Right. I mean, and in a lot of ways, this is almost a second reboot in three movies, because we'll get to mm-hmm. how awesome the end of this movie is. <laughs> but um, it almost resets the board again, right? in a way. Um, but it just seemed odd to me that 
two films after you've just finally established James Bond as being James Bond. Now it's like, well, James Bond's too old. He should he should consider moving on. So um, you talked last week about how they never do the gun barrel at the end of the movie. They did it again in this movie. Yeah, they do. And I like it. I like it this time. <laughs> I like it this time because of the, the scene that oh, leads yeah. up to it. Like, that's the perfect way to end that scene. Mm-hmm. Like, this is James Bond, you know, he... M says, are you ready to get back to work? And, and what I, and again, I'm going to keep dumping on Spectre because it's easy to do, but what I needed from Spectre was just a nice run of the mill James Bond movie. And that's not what we got, but (laughs) we'll talk about that next time. Any other general comments about the movie before we get into it? Nothing particular. Okay. Uh, I do find it funny. I, I heard an interview with Sam Mendes who said that he didn't put the gun barrel at the beginning of the movie because he liked his opening shot of the movie of James Bond in the hallway, which, okay, okay, sure. Again, it works fine at the end, but this, I like this whole code, the cold open here mm-hmm. for the most part. I like it too. Although when I'm watching this, when I was watching it, I couldn't remember any of it except for the final scene where Money Penny shoots him. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't remember any of this. I'm like, Oh, oh okay. This happened. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say, when Bond gets shot in the shoulder and then pulls himself up out of the (laughs) cab of that excavator through the roof by grabbing it and then putting all his weight on his arms, no. Yep. He does a (laughs) lot of strong things for somebody who's been shot through the shoulder. Yeah. And they they even show it's a clean shot through. Like, he has blood in the back of his jacket. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, he grabs it a couple times to show that he's injured, but there's no way he would have been able to put his weight on his arm after being shot in the shoulder. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm reminded a little bit of In the World is Not Enough when Pierce Brosnan hurts his shoulder and then it becomes a plot point later on. <laughs> and then, yeah, and, and then he just has sex to, to you know, heal it. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. But that's a standard Bond thing. That happens multiple times. I'm, I'm honestly surprised that we don't at some point get Daniel Craig, you know, sexing the pain away. <laughs> well, we, we don't do that in the 21st century, I guess. I guess. Uh, yeah. This movie is almost completely devoid of love interests for Bond, actually. It really is. Um, I mean, you, you get... You really say uh, M's the Bond girl. Yeah, actually, I could... Yeah, I could go along with that. I mean, you have a few bits here and there. Uh, so... Naomi Harris shows up at the beginning as mystery assistant person, right. I guess, because um, we don't know who she is yet. Right. I think she's fine in the movie. Yeah. Um, I like I think... the repartee that she and Bond have together. I, yeah. I, I really enjoy that. Um, I think that is one thing that the 21st century has done better. We have much better, less cringy interactions between Bond and Money Penny. I mean, it helps that we don't know that that's Money Penny. Yes, but, but regardless, but, like yeah, when, like when they, when they meet up uh, again in the when 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 he runs into her in the in the new MI6 headquarters, like they have a decent banter going mm-hmm. there, even though she did in fact almost kill him. Yeah, I mean, I even like in this opening sequence where they're chasing after the guy who we find out his name is Patrice, and she very early on like clips the side of her mirror 
like, and I knocks didn't it off. That. And she's yeah, she's like, it's okay, you weren't using that. And she just responds by whacking the other one off and says, I wasn't using that one either. Yeah. Which I think I, I like that. Yeah. So they find themselves on this train, and like well, you said, Bond he, finds himself on the train. Well, yes. There's there's a really bad continuity bit with the bike, but we'll we'll move on from that. Um, yeah. I, I do like the touch. I I mean, let's leave aside the the shoulder injury bit that you've talked about. I like very classically almost fan servicey moment of Bond when he adjusts his cufflinks as he jumps through the in the hole into the train. Yes. Uh, they wind up on the roof now. Why is there a chain on the roof? Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) Do you not keep a chain on the roof of your train? Uh, no. Oh, okay. It probably... I I find it tends to fall off. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe he grabbed it when he, like, was cutting the connection to the cars? Maybe. I, I do also want to point out that I find it hilarious. I, I noticed this, I think, the first time I watched this, like, the amount of excessive micromanagement that M is doing here. Oh, yeah. Where she's like, what's going on? Tell me what's happening. I can't, we're blind. Tell me what's going on. Like, what? And she's just, like, critiquing everything, the whole, the whole sequence. Uh, which, I hope she doesn't do that on every mission. Yeah, that's a, that's a very fair point. Yeah, she's just, <laughs> like, right there in their ears the whole time yeah. telling them exactly what, Yeah. Yeah. I think it's specifically because of this mission, because of what is at stake, and it's kind of her fault, I guess, that it got captured in the first place. Mm hmm. Which you don't really learn why it would be her fault. No. Presumably uh, because she was in charge. But, I mean, basically, somebody was watching the first Mission Impossible movie because that's essentially what the setup is. They stole the cover list of these MI6 agents. So they can use this information to out the agents that are stationed throughout, I think, Europe, I guess. You get this, you know, the whole sequence builds up to this moment where Naomi Harris has the sniper rifle and she's waiting to shoot somebody um, because they're both on top of the train having a fight. And M makes the call to shoot and she does and hits Bond and knocks him off the train. Uh, He falls very far into the water. (laughs) There's no way he survives. No way. No, <laughs> um, but I do like the this the structure of this bit where you know she fires and he falls and there's just silence and then you just hear him hear her say agent down over the speaker yeah and M turns away and goes to the window where it's raining and you just get this sound of rain and then it, it transitions over to the waterfall that then to make matters worse Bond falls go falls over a waterfall uh, into the the water below. In a, in another, uh, we can make another allusion to Sherlock there. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, and and that takes us into the credits and the Adele song, which yeah, Adele won was an Academy so big back then. She was oh yeah, she was a big star, and I think this is, I think this is the first one that won an Academy Award. Maybe I'm not sure. I think um, Fear Eyes Only I think was nominated, but I think that this is the first one to actually win. I like it. Yeah, it's fine. This is the end. Hold your breath and count to ten. Feel the earth move and then 
People saw this movie in general, so I think it just got. Oh, this this movie was huge. This movie was this is the seventh highest grossing film of all time. Yeah, and and no offense to Skyfall, I think it's a a good film. I don't understand why. Was it the timing or? Yeah, I think it was I, it was the timing and the marketing. Uh, yeah, or because I I I remember the, the marketing was there was a huge marketing push for this movie mm-hmm. because it was fifty years of Bond. Yeah, and it was. MGM was, you know, betting the farm on this movie. They actually went bankrupt while making this movie. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the one of the one of the things that saved MGM basically. So yeah, there was a huge push for this film when it when it first came out. On that, on this, I don't know. I should have mentioned this earlier, but I didn't mm-hmm. think about it. Uh, well, I I was saying that Casino Royale was the first Bond film I saw in the theaters. Um, this was the first one that I saw in the theaters at, when at, when I had reached a point in my life where I was I would say I was more than just a casual fan of the Bond films. Okay. Like I feel like this is the first one like where I was like super excited because it was a new Bond film. Okay, yeah. And I and I think that a lot of people got excited and went to see it multiple times because of I only saw you know it, it, it well, <laughs> okay. But it wasn't Quantum of Solace. I guess. Yeah. I think Quantum of Solace disappointed a lot of people, uh, myself included, at least on initial viewing. And I remember seeing this movie the first time and saying, okay, that's more like a Bond movie. Yeah. Oh, you know, definitely. I, I definitely enjoyed this more than Quantum of Solace in the theater. I still think this is a better movie. I think I don't, I don't like it as much as I used to. And I like Quantum of Solace a lot more than I used to, but I still think this is, if I had to pick one to watch, it'd probably be this one. Yeah. You know, we have, Sam Mendes, who I think is the first time they had an Academy Award winning director do a movie. Uh, he won for American Beauty and mm-hmm. maybe maybe something else, too. I don't know. Um, Speaking of American Beauty, uh-huh. apparently uh, the first choice to play Silva was uh, Kevin Spacey. Oh, dear. Yeah. No. Well, you know what? That's not fair. I shouldn't say that because yeah, that would have been interesting. Yes. I'm not sure, and I'm and, and I'm struggling just divorcing, trying to yes, removing separating art from artists you know? and all that. There's there's yeah. a, there's that whole thing, but in 2012 we didn't know that. Um, but I feel like we would have got. Sure. I mean, Kevin we Spacey got a... is a fantastic actor, but yeah, 
I feel like we would have got a slightly less psycho version of John Doe from Seven. Probably. But, yeah, I mean, so you have Sam Mendes and you have Roger Deakins, who is a very well-respected cinematographer in, in the industry, finally won an Academy Award for Blade Runner 2049. Whatever you think of the story, I think this is the best-looking film in the entire franchise. Like Probably. Easily. There are some absolutely gorgeous shots in this movie. And I think it's directed well. I think it's performed well. Um, there's just, there's some writing problems we'll get to. But I, I really like, I would say, the first half of this movie or so. Mm-hmm. You know, you, we, we see M writing the obituary for James Bond because they think he's dead. Mm-hmm. By all rights, they, he should be. And then he, we see M and Tanner going to have a meeting with this guy, Mallory, who strikes me a lot as the, the same guy that was grilling her in the previous film. Obviously, it's not the same actor now. It's Ray Fiennes. I like this scene. I find it weird that he pours one drink and gives it to M. Like, I don't know if that's something they do, <laughs> but yeah, usually don't you don't pour a drink for somebody if you're not having one, too. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do know. really enjoy Ray Fiennes in this movie. Yes. I think he's, you know, well, I don't think I've ever seen a Ray Fiennes performance that was bad, but... That's fair. But no, I, I really enjoy the character of Mallory. I think at first you think he's there as an antagonist, but you quickly realize that that's not the case. He strikes me, again, to make it all about Star Trek. Uh, he's, he initially comes off as like the Commodore in TOS who's going to be there to just be in the way and question everything and be a pain in their butt. Mm-hmm. And he is that for a while. But he comes around in a way that makes a lot of sense to me and doesn't feel like it's just written that way because that's the way the story was going. It makes sense mm-hmm. to me. And and like you said, I, I think he's quite good in the part. Um, especially I I was very happy to see where he ends up in this movie. Yes. You know, spoilers for this movie. But, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, as, as sorry as I was to see Judy Dench leave. And, she had a good run. And, yeah, as she says in this scene. <laughs> or uh, actually, as Mallory says to her in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> you had a good run. She had the and, longest and, uh, in s- sense of years tenure as M in the Bond films. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernard Lee was in more films, but that's because they were they were they were making them every other year, not every year. Yeah, yeah. And I like the continuity of Judy Dench from the Brosnan period mm-hmm. to through the Craig. Uh, and she does have a cameo inspector. Yes, she does, which is nice. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm happy to see that. Um, but we. You know, we see them going back from the meeting, and somebody seems to have hacked into MI6 computer system, and it turns out it's her computer that's doing it. And the upshot, I guess, is that there's a explosion at MI6 headquarters. Yeah, big one. That destroys everything except one piece of Chekhov's paperweight. Well, uh, if you'll notice, it's been glued back it's together. It's been damaged. Yeah, no, no, that's true, which is a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like I like the continuity of the paperweight throughout the movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it is ugly, but... It's very ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember this scene caught me off guard the first time I saw it, you know, where she gets out and yells at the policeman, like, don't you know who I am? And then the bomb goes off, or the... It's not a bomb, it's an explosion. And, uh, and this all works. Yeah, and I don't even think she expects him to know who she is, but she's like, don't you recognize the car? Oh, that's... Yeah, that's right, you're right. Which, it, it's a 
black jaguar. Uh, okay. Yeah, it has it has the flashing lights, and I'm sure yeah. it's oh, yeah, you yeah. know specifically an MI6 style car. Oh, and here we have uh, a cut to James Bond making Boodle Loop somewhere in a hut, <laughs> and and drinking Heineken. Yeah, because this is not the first a... time Heineken has shown up. I don't think. No, no, they've they've had Heineken. I think. I think going back to Casino Royale, certainly in the last movie. Yeah. I, but I remember it in this movie because people made a big deal about it where they're like, James Bond doesn't drink Heineken, you know, and it's like one scene. Who cares? That's surely not the first time Bond has, drunk, has had beer in a film. No, I wouldn't think so. And there's, I guess it's a contest at the spa to drink <laughs> with a scorpion on your hand. Yeah. <laughs> I this reminds me of like the amped up version of the drinking contest in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. <laughs> or you know or or the things like in in Casino Royale where they're watching the the mongoose snake fight, you know, just prove that they're off in some remote location. Although they still get Wolf Blitzer on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> So again with the Mission Impossible references, because one of the recent Mission Impossible movies also got Wolf Blitzer. Yes. I guess Wolf Blitzer, well, you know, he's he's a recognizable guy. Mm-hmm. I can't decide, honestly, if it lends, like, authenticity or if it takes me out of the movie whenever they do this. And I'm not just, not just this movie, but any movie where it's like a real journalist. Yeah. It takes, it always takes me out. Yeah. Especially I mean, just because, and I, I texted you about this when I watched it. I had been yeah. watching. There was, you know, some there were some news newsworthy things happening this week, mm-hmm. and I was watching a lot of CNN yesterday before I started watching this movie. I'm like, oh come on, <laughs> yes, I know, <laughs> right? Now I'm not saying I want it to be like, you know, I don't know if you ever watched the show Jag where they had oh, ZN- yeah. CNN, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I need that necessarily, but. <laughs> Oh, I remember ZNN. <laughs> yeah. Did they, like, carry that over? Do they still use ZNN on NCIS? You know, I've never watched NCIS. I have, but it's been so long I'm not sure. I definitely remember ZNN from JAG. Yeah. <laughs> they do have... It is... It's, it's ZNN? And it's it's the Zulu News Network. Well, yeah, because in JAG, they always gave the time in Zulu, even though that was wrong. Yes. Yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> so we find out that Bond has broken into M's house yet again. How does he keep doing that? Yeah. Although it's a completely different house this time, but it that's is. okay. I, I wonder like if she time. still has a bathtub in her bedroom. I don't know. Maybe it's the same house then. I don't know. I I I am I am, but yeah Bond looks like dead in this scene and I oh get, I know ah uh, I get that they're trying to make him look old and haggard but it's just like he looks like he's just like st- he looks like he is actually dead yeah like his eyes are all puffy he's got mm-hmm. the stubble going on and M just reads him the riot act a little bit here. Yes, uh, I like how he talks about how he's he'll go he'll go home and shower. And she said, "We sold your flat." Yeah, I know. he's like, I'll, and I like the the button on the scene. He's like, "I'll go find a hotel," and she's like, "Well, you're bloody well not sleeping here." Yeah, <laughs> you didn't come back. We sold your flat. Sorry, it's his fault for not reporting in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so 
then we go to the new MI6 headquarters underground, which is apparently mm-hmm. part of Churchill's bunker during World War II. Yep. Very high ceilings for underground. I, I like the look of this little, this area. Mm-hmm. Looks like, it reminds me, it's, it's like an old train station or something. Yes, that's basically what, it, maybe, that's probably what it actually is. And then you get Exposition Tanner telling the story as Bond's doing various exercises and things. <laughs> yes. Explaining the... Well, it's not the knock list. It's some, you know, something else. And I, I, I enjoy seeing Bond trying to shoot and missing. Yep. I, I like seeing that his he's not at his peak. I mm-hmm. very much enjoy that. Well, and like complaining a bit about them saying he's old, and I think they could have just gotten away with it by saying, you know, you were hiding out on the beach somewhere for who knows how long, mm-hmm. and and your skills have atrophied a bit like he doesn't have to be washed up at this point he could just be out of shape yeah and i mean we get this weird word association thing here with this guy like yeah i i forget the name of this actor but he's been in a bunch of things he he does this kind of thing Mm -hmm. a lot and you know the word skyfall triggers something yes because he just is like done and then leaves Yeah. Mallory definitely looks concerned there. Yep. And then he goes to (laughs) the bathroom and cuts the bullet fragments out of his chest. Because why not? Because, you know, he just thought he'd just leave them in there until now. Yeah, and, and then he realized maybe this could be a plot point. I also like to think that that's, like, what allowed him to then be able to shoot straight, because now he's yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, I always had that thought, too, where it's like, oh, well, maybe now that he doesn't have depleted uranium in his shoulder, he can shoot straight. Yeah. We'll get to the depleted uranium in a second. Because um, it is the shoulder, it is his right shoulder, so it's the hand that he uses the, yeah. What's it? So, yeah, that's, that. my thought was, like, I had forgotten, when I'm watching the movie, I had forgotten that he then, that the the fragments become a, a plot point. And mm-hmm. I honestly thought, oh yeah, he now realizes he can't shoot, so he has to take the bullet out of his shoulder. Yep. <laughs> Which I would like that better, mm-hmm. honestly. I mean, first you get that nice scene that you mentioned here with, with Naomi Harris, because mm-hmm. they're kind of bantering around, and he's like, if you, it was only if you ever go back out... The... Some, of the, some of the less vital organs. Yes. <laughs> we get... You know, Chekhov's paperweight again. He's like, the whole building goes up and that bloody thing survives. <laughs> yeah. Your interior decorating tips have always been appreciated. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> uh, here's And here's where M lies to Mallory about him passing his his tests, which he didn't. Uh, I'll say that Mallory's style game is on point in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, he wears that three-piece suit very well. He does. And I will say that despite that Bond doesn't look quite as dead in this scene, probably because he is also, you can tell, I guess it's because we've, we've hit the, we've hit the mid 2000s. So the styles are actually the same as they are now. So the suits mm-hmm. actually look good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we don't, we don't see Daniel Craig wearing a double breasted suit with like right. an orange or like shirt. The, those nineties suits where you could probably fit both legs in one pant leg. <laughs> Or dare I say it, um, Mathis's uh, sweater around his neck oh, God. last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine James Bond walking into the interview with that on. <laughs> oh man, no. Okay, here's here's where Tanner 
the bullet fragments in your shoulder, they're depleted uranium or whatever, and only a few people use them because they're very expensive and they're hard to get, and here are the three people, and he identifies Patrice. Yeah. How many bullets does Patrice have? He shot, like, I was hundred of them at James Bond. that scene, I'm like, I'm glad they show him reloading because he's shooting a lot. Yeah. Uh, did all of them have this uranium in it, or was it just the one that, that hit giant him? bullet, like, pack that he had in the beginning when he was yeah. spraying bullets throughout the courtyard have that? I don't know. <laughs> That's a lot of uranium. Yes. I think it's a clunky way of identifying this guy. Well, it's a good thing they're depleted uranium, so at least they don't have to worry about, you know, radiation poisoning. We would hope, yeah. That said, even depleted uranium is slightly radioactive and not something you should be carrying around in your shoulder. No! No! <laughs> No wonder he couldn't shoot. Yeah, I know, right? He should be bald. Yeah. And now we get one of my favorite scenes in the movie. With Q? With Q, yeah. I love the fact that Q is like a 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's Ben Wishaw's older than that, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and I like the I like the interaction between them and how Q gives as good as he gets. And they, because mm-hmm. like, Bond at first is just like, can't believe this, but he by the end of the conversation, he's you know, accepted him. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting, not quite a reverse of the Desmond Llewellyn Bond relationship where Desmond Llewellyn was the older guy and, and all that, but it's 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 a different kind of sparring that they do mm-hmm. verbally. But he does end with be sure to bring it back in one piece, which is mm-hmm. just perfect. Yep. I mean I appreciate that the gadgets in this movie are a version of the gun from License to Kill, only it's not a camera, and a radio that is sort of like the one from Goldfinger, only bigger. Yeah, it's a shame it's not a camera, like from License to Kill, because <laughs> now we don't get to see the skeletons in a painting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate the line where he's like, we're expecting an exploding pen. We don't go in for that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're in Shanghai. Yes. Which is the first time a Bond film has been filmed in China. Mm-hmm. Because that is Shanghai. And Bond's following the guy and follows him into a glass office building. And yep. this scene up at the tall floors where it's just all the glass with the reflection reflections, I was kind of mm-hmm. getting a man with the golden gun flashbacks there. Oh, with the funhouse mirrors and yes. stuff? Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I, this is where I think the cinematography really works for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the... I don't know why they would do this, but like the giant jellyfish thing behind them. Yeah. Uh, the, the way that Bond is going in and out of these, I want to, I would love to see what that set looks like lit just because of all the glass panels and stuff, because he's, he's able to hide because the, the, the light coming in blocks the view of Patrice from seeing him. Right. Up until he breaks the wind. And I like how he breaks the glass when he shoots the gun, and that's what the reflection, it, you know, it, it causes the light to hit him. I've always liked that fight sequence in the dark with the silhouettes. Yeah. I think that works really well. I like how it's almost entirely silent until you until Patrice cuts the glass and then you can hear. Oh, and you can hear, like, just the wind rushing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always been curious who the guy is that he's shooting, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, we never really hear. I mean, there's the woman that's in the building next to the guy that gets shot that we meet later. Mm-hmm. I can't tell if 
Patrice willingly lets himself get killed or just slips and fall and slips out of Bond's grip here. Uh, it doesn't really matter. I think he slips out of Bond's grip, but he also wasn't willing to cooperate. Yeah. So this would have right. happened anyway. And then he finds that casino chip in the, the briefcase or whatever that had the gun in it, which leads him to Macau Casino. Macau Casino, which is the most generically Macau Casino of all time. But that's okay. <laughs> I mean, I admit I've never been to Macau, so... No, but it's like the same casino in every movie that has a casino in Macau. Oh, yeah. But before we can do that, you know, we find out that the first names have been posted to YouTube. And it's actual YouTube. It's actual YouTube. It's the, definitely the first time YouTube has appeared in... I mean, it's, it's a slightly older YouTube interface. It's not what it looks like today, but... No. That is what it looked like then. Because Anne's looking at it on her Sony laptop. Of course she is. Because <laughs> everything is Sony. So before we go to the casino, Naomi Harris shows up. This is not how you shave somebody. No. That's... <laughs> I, I'll admit, I've never gone to a barber and had, like, a straight razor shave before. But... I have, actually. Okay. It was not nearly that sensual. Mm-mm. I would hope not. Honestly, that's that's very unprofessional. <laughs> yeah. But it's the sort of thing that you would see in a movie. Yeah. I mean, we even get we even get a scene like this in Star Trek. We do. I had an inkling who she was going into the movie. Mm-hmm. I like this scene knowing who she is. Okay. Yeah. Like I I like that they've had this sort of backstory that we didn't know about before. Uh, that, like, they never actually, you know, they never slept together, they never did anything like that, but mm-hmm. there were moments, you know. So, I, I mean, the scene works for me. I want to know if everybody arrives at this casino the same way that Bond does, like, on the little thing. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, how expensive is it to keep Komodo dragons? It can't be cheap. I wouldn't think so. I mean, they just feed henchmen to them, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> For people that try to count cards. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I mean, yeah, the the, the Komodo dragons are clearly hungry. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, Bond just walks in, turn, cashes in the chip. And attracts the attention of this woman, Severine. Mm-hmm. And she warns him that he's about to get killed. Yep. But tells him if he does make it, to meet her on a boat. So, I don't... I've never seen her in other things before, so I don't know what her her background is career wise mm-hmm. um she does some really i think she does some really good acting in the scene at the bar yeah i think she's fine there's a moment when bond asks her about silva he doesn't know that's his name and she does this thing with the cigarette where she like her hand shakes mm-hmm. that i think is a really good acting choice here because you can she's playing this like confidence but she's also terrified at the same time and i think she pulls it off really well yeah I think so. Um, I find her, I find her to be very captivating to watch in the scene, just what she's doing. But yeah, yeah she says. I just looked know, up her film career and I have not seen any of the other things she's been in. Skyfall was the first English language film she was in. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. she says, you know, if, if, if you survive getting out of here, meet me on my boat. And th- this is when the, the, the gun that only fires with Bond's handprint comes into play. Yeah. Yes. 
I also like that during this fight, Bond frequently stares at the Komodo dragon like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I like when like when the guy picks him up and he's upside down looking behind him and he just has that look on his face like what the hell is going on here? Yeah, <laughs> and and he get and I his, and I also think when Bond says good luck with that he's not talking about the gun he's talking no about he's, the gun. yeah <laughs> and 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 this guy who's like just out of like bouncer central casting I think is awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it's a little over the top, like the the guy gets dragged out and he's like, ah, and, he's, and Bond you know, you jumps on the other jumps dragon on to the, get on out. The other dragon to get out, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I like it. <laughs> but thankfully, Money Penny is there to save him at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that worked out well for Bond. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, we shouldn't say Money Penny because we don't know who she is yet. Uh, I already <laughs> called her Money Penny at the beginning. I know. <laughs> Playing the game of the movie here. Yeah, if you're watching a lot, if you're using us as live commentary to watch the movie for the first time, uh, you should really make better choices. You would think by how many movies now they would know not to do that. Was this twenty four movies in? Uh, <laughs> so I take a I take a little bit of issue here of James Bond sneaking into the former sex slave's shower. Yeah. Um. No. No. I mean, I guess we have to have a scene like that in a Bond movie, but no. <sighs> yeah, so... Meanwhile, we're watching CNN again. Yeah. Or is this BBC? No, this is BBC News. This is, this is BBC News, yeah. Yeah. We see that an MI6 operative was assassinated. Yep. And Mallory is not happy. Gee, I can't imagine why. Yeah. I am curious whether this is an actual BBC guy. I'm sure they have their equivalent of a Wolf Blitzer on the BBC yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I know in The World is Not Enough, the footage that we watched where Bond gets the backstory about the Electric King kidnapping was a real BBC person. Movies tend to do that. I remember, um, <laughs> to go back to The Fugitive, actually, um, <laughs> they went out and got a lot of local Chicago news people to do to play themselves in the movie because there's just, they just have a way about being themselves that actors struggle with i think that uh, makes sense. you know to seem like an actual beat reporter or whatever uh you know just better to go to the the real thing i guess but anyway i don't know what bond's end game here is but going to this goofy island here that looks like something out of uh inception or whatever so there is a real island like this it's okay battleship island it, it's a Japanese island, I think? And it... I want to say it has also been abandoned. Uh, Battleship Island is the English translation. It's, all, it's, all, it's also known as Hashima Island. And it has a pretty dark history. It was uh, it was used as uh, forced labor by uh, during World War II. Okay. For undersea coal mines. Hmm. That's interesting and depressing at the same time. Yes. How can we make coal mining more hazardous? Let's make it underwater. <laughs> and yeah, it, it has been mostly abandoned since then. They 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 have sometimes talked about reopening it for tourism, but because but it would only be open for a few year, days a year because of harsh weather. So, oh okay. But yes, it is a real thing. It, okay. I, I don't know if this was filmed there or just at, or they just made one that looked like it. But there is a there is an actual island very much like this. Hmm. Interesting. And now we get to, to finally about 
an hour and ten minutes into the movie meet the villain of the piece here. I've liked, I always like this scene. Uh, you told me you have issues with Javier Bardem in general in this movie. I, I just don't care for his, his portrayal of the character. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and yes, they did actually use the exterior, the exterior shots were actually from Battleship Island. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that is a real, okay. So yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't care for him. I think he's okay. too over the top and just don't really like him. Yeah, there, there's a moment that I have in my notes that we'll get to that I'm like, that was a bad choice to do. Uh, I mean, I like this one shot, just introduction of him a little bit. Um, it's a long kind of white, <laughs> takes a while to get to the point. This little monologue he has about rats on an island. Yeah. He's clearly channeling some Julian Assange look here with his hair. <laughs> I know. Right? Uh, I, I, I used to joke with, I think it was with my mom actually, um, that for when we watched this together and she's like, did Javier Bardem have in his contract, he had to have bad hair in every movie. Cause this is right around no country for old men too. Um, it's like, Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> must have bad wig in movie. Uh, I mean, I think he's fine. I, I don't necessarily subscribe to the, he's one of the best bond villains that no. has ever been on screen. He does this, uh, he does this gay innuendo thing that really bothers me in this scene. Yes, when he grabs Bond's legs and... Yeah, I, I, I like so, that Bond responds, and it's just like, what makes you think this would be my first time? Yes, yes, I, that I like. It, it goes to that, the evil gay trope thing that oh, bugs yeah. me. Especially because it doesn't go anywhere. It's like this one scene and that's it. And I'm trying to think, I feel, would it have been more creepy or less creepy if it had been Kevin Spacey in that scene? Um, now I'm really struggling with the baggage. Yeah, I know, right? baggage part. <laughs> um, I think Kevin Spacey would have played this less over the top. Yes, I, I agree with that. He, he's a much, he's much better at underplaying things. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, if Kevin Spacey had been in this role, yeah, looking at that scene from what we know of Kevin Spacey's very, very bad things that he has done in his life, mm -hmm. would yeah, that would definitely tint uh, color our view of that scene. <laughs> I would struggle watching this movie, frankly. Yeah. Or at least I would skip this scene. Mm -hmm. um, I do not think I can ever watch American Beauty again. No. And it's a shame, because I think it's an excellent movie. Yeah. And I I normally am not one that subscribes to the I can't watch that because so-and-so was in it. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I've watched Mel Gibson in things. I watch William yeah. Shatner in things. I watch, you know. As you've mentioned many times, I talked to you into watching a Roman Polanski movie. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I think that. I think it's unfair to everyone else involved if you can't separate yourself from like one actor's personal stuff and, mm -hmm. and a, a movie. But then there are certain roles like, yeah, I, I don't want to watch Lester Burnham do anything. I don't know who that is. Kevin Spacey in American Beauty. Oh, um, okay. Sorry. It's yeah. been a long time since I've seen no, it. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, no, just because of how that character is and the things that they do in that movie, I just, no, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, it's it's the meanest of Ari stuff, right? Oh, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, but back to anyway, 
Back to this Javier movie. Bardem is not a terrible person, as far as I know. No. So this scene, you know, after the unfortunate gay stuff, mm-hmm. um, this is a scene that I think has actually become more terrifying now, where he's talking about controlling governments and and yeah, you know destroy bit. destroying countries with with the internet and all this stuff. And oh, I think that, that touches a little close so, to home. Yeah. And I'm like, this is 2012, which isn't that long ago, but still. That was in, that sort of thing was in in its infancy back then. Right. What sweet summer children we were. I mean, Twitter existed then, but. Uh, well, yeah. A certain future president was spewing ridiculous things on it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this, this part, and this is why I think the movie is so disappointing to me in retrospect. Like, this stuff would make a great Bond movie. Yeah. He doesn't do any of it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he really just wants to kill M. Yeah, he wants to kill M in the most convoluted way possible. Yeah, seriously. So, we have the William Tell Scott scene. Yes. Okay, so first off, 50-year McAllen. I'm sure that's really good scotch. Uh, mm-hmm. I have never had 50-year McAllen, not having the kind of money that one can spend to buy that but right. i am a big fan of 15 year mccallan uh okay. <laughs> so i'm sure that's very good scotch secondly i don't care how good of a shot you are that antique smoothbore pistol is not going to be you know anything you can aim well with no not at all i struggle with this scene a lot <laughs> again you know we're we're trying to be progressive and be in the 21st century, and then he does this brutal thing to this woman. Yeah. Just just because. Yeah, there's no reason for it at all. You just No. And, and right I before Bond gets rescued, too. That's the... Yeah. And I can't tell if this was supposed to be funny, where, you know, they're, they're saying we're going to take turns trying to shoot the shot glass off her head, and Bond shoots and misses... And then, you know, he just shoots her and her head falls over and the glass falls off. And he's like, I win. And I'm like, I can't tell if that's meant to be amusing or just horrifying or what. But I just, it, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, it's not good. And, then and yeah, like, right, immediately right, after the cavalry yeah. comes and Bond gets rescued. Right. It's like, yeah, it's pretty bad. Which we'll, we'll get to that, too. Yeah, because those helicopters can't just appear like that. That's not no. how helicopters work. No, it's not. I do like the line that gets referenced later where he's like, it's the latest thing from Q Branch. It's called a radio. Yes. <laughs> Chekhov's radio, yes. Chekhov's radio. And now we find ourselves back in MI6. Uh, you get the scene here with Silva and M. I'm glad, Ch- uh, I'm glad they, or I'm guessing not Churchill, had the thought to put this jail cell thing in here. Probably wasn't Churchill. No. <laughs> Th- this is, this is very Silence of the Lambs feeling to me but that's my that's one of my issues with john logan in general is he just references other things a lot and we'll we'll get to more of that later all right so i know you have issues with the his mouth (laughs) (laughs) well it's it's more just like that's not what hydrogen cyanide does it doesn't dissolve no it's Let's see. So it what it does is it prevents your cells from making energy, from converting oxygen into fuel. Okay. And that causes them to die. Sure. And a lot of nerve agents and a lot of things, chemical poisons work that way. Mm-hmm. But the idea that it would cause him to be disfigured in this way just is 
So my not, my not, big problem right, with right. that scene is it the, it doesn't make logical sense what's happening with uh, his cheek. Okay. He pulls this thing out of his mouth. Uh-huh. You can clearly see he still has a jawline. Like you can see he opens his mouth. You see the fragments of teeth. You see the jaw is still fully formed. Mm-hmm. There shouldn't be that gaping hole in his cheek. Well, I mean, it has that metal thing that on the side. I mean, I think the real problem is the CGI just isn't great. Okay, yeah, but the cheekbone. How did it dissolve the cheekbone <laughs> and not his jaw? Well, I'm telling you, because that's not how hydrogen cyanide works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but if that was how hydrogen cyanide worked, how did it dissolve his cheekbone and not his jaw? Well, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't do that. <laughs> I mean, that is the that he does say that that's the tooth that it was in. Still, so though. maybe because that's the tooth that that's the the cheekbone that's closest to the tooth. Uh, I don't but know. You know what's even closer to your tooth? The jaw. Your jaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. That's just to give the generic Bond villain disfigurement. Yeah. So now, okay, we're we're at Silva's big scheme here. <sighs> First off, why would Q ever, like, like <laughs> security 101 is that you would never hook a suspect computer up to your network. So, without getting into details, I have a job with the federal government. Mm-hmm. Every year, we're required to take computer and data safety training. Sure. It's a slog. It's boring. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. One of the things we're told is you are never allowed to use a USB drive on your work computer because who knows what's on that, di- on that drive. Mm-hmm. Q would have failed <laughs> data security training right. from the federal. I mean, like, and no, no. The actual that. people that would do thing that do for computer forensics on things like this have standalones have systems that are completely <clears throat> separated yes. from their actual yeah this would never have actually happened at MI6 I mean you definitely get the sense that Q is new I Still I like his though. line la- I like his line later where he's like so much for my promising cure- career in espionage <laughs> yeah. um but yeah that would not happen no even if he tried to do that, there would be someone else there that'd be like, "No, you're not doing that." Yeah, pretty much. And so, why does it open the hatches in the floor? <laughs> well, I got the sense that it was sort of like the ex machina thing that just says "open all hatches." Ah, uh, okay, that makes a certain amount of sense. But okay, so let's talk about this plan. Sure. Um, so he plans the. The explosion at MI6 to force them into this underground bunker. Okay. All right, that that's that's fine. So what Q claims is that Silva wanted to be captured so that he could escape and then go to this courthouse or wherever the heck they are having this hearing to kill M. So he wanted to be captured by Bond, I guess, even though... He tr- did that stupid duel, and the only reason he was captured was because 
Bond killed his guys and he somehow knew that X number of days after the explosion there would be a hearing. Yeah, that uh, he definitely planned out the exact location because yeah. that's the thing with the train. Also, right. sure was lucky the train happened to be running at that exact time. Oh, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> but then, you know, he wants to be captured, but the only reason Bond knew to go to where Silva was was because he got shot by Patrice and then had the shrapnel in his shoulder, which then led him to Patrice. And why in, does Silva in... even need to be captured for this plan at all? Why he didn't doesn't. he just go he, kill M? It he doesn't. would have been easier if he hadn't been captured and had to escape. Right. This makes the Joker's plan in the Dark Knight make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And as he says, like, do I even look like a man with a plan or whatever he says? You know, mm-hmm. like, so, yeah, this is this is all ludicrous. And it just goes to that current, even today, way of writing stories. That It's like, it's a puzzle box. Yeah. Which sometimes works, but most of the time doesn't. And this one really doesn't for me. Yeah. I, I mean, I like scenes like, you know, Bond's at the tube station and he runs after the train and the, the guy's like, well, he's keen to get home. Yeah. And I like <laughs> how the conductor is so like just stares yeah. at him when he asks. Them. Yeah. She, he's like, open the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, and he's like health and safety. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah. Bond follows Silva and okay. The callback <laughs> to the radio. That's good. I'll give them that. Oh, and he's like something from my local toy store yeah. called a radio. Yeah. But, yeah. all right. So Silva, again, we come back to the fact that somehow Silva knew exactly where M would be, you know, months or years in advance when he planned this. Yeah. Uh, but even aside from that, like, how did he, how did he luck out that he would blow that bomb 20 seconds before a train came through? Yeah. I, I, like, talking about Harvey Herbert Dem, to go back to the radio thing, when he's like, he blows up and he's like, woo! Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Why are you doing that? No. <laughs> yeah, and this, it, yeah, and this train thing crashing through here, that, that was this thing that worked for me in the moment the first time I saw this movie, and then immediately afterwards, I'm like, that makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good effect. It works, but, yeah. They're also, other than the driver, it doesn't appear to be anyone on that train. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I feel like if they're going to do this whole scene, they should have had, like, little... They should have had people screaming in terror on the train. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, it, like, in in Die Hard, they, or Die Hard 3, they did that much better. Yes, they did. Yeah. Well, Die Hard 3 is a really good movie. Well, again, that's I think it's also a movie that's really good for the first half, <laughs> and then it forgets what it's supposed to do. But yeah, the end of Die Hard Three is a little <laughs> odd, where they have to like go track Jeremy Irons down to a truck stop in Quebec because he had an aspirin bottle. Yeah, that was a little <laughs> weird. Yeah, <laughs> I like M's Tennyson speech here. Right before th- <laughs> right before it all goes south. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well timed. Uh, okay, I should How say the back, heck does back Silva up. make it through this showdown alive? I, I don't know. Like he barges into this courtroom and starts shooting. Security starts shooting at him. Multiple yep. security officers in di- 
from different angles shoot at him. How does he make it out? They went to Stormtrooper shooting school? I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like, his, his other guys get shot. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. I do like that uh, Mallory saves M. Yes. I like that Mallory saves M. I like, I like the wink that Bond gives him before shooting the, the uh, fire extinguishers. Mm-hmm. I like earlier, actually, uh, there's, there's a long scene where one of the, I guess she's a, uh, MP or whatever, is just railing at M. And Mallory, and Mallory says, maybe we says, should hear from her? Yeah, he's like, for the sake of variety, maybe we should actually hear from the witness, which, <laughs> which I like a lot. Yeah, that was good. Uh, you know, that, that, that's about when you start to see Mallory is not quite the jerk you thought he was. Yeah. Yeah, somehow Silva, gets out and gets away and now we're in the fan service garage here because <laughs> quite wisely i think they're they say we have to get rid of the car because the car has a tracker in it because it's you know yeah. an m6 company car that makes sense uh we open the garage to the db5 what's with the gb sticker on the back it's great britain i know it's great britain but why is it there because all cars have i think all cars have to have one in in the eu Oh, that makes sense. Okay. I mean, maybe not now. In the so, era yeah. Of so if this film were shot but... today, it wouldn't right. have one. <laughs> Yeah. No, I think all of the European... Like, that's not just, like, a vanity thing that Americans put on their cars right, for various things, you know? Right, because it looks like those, like, Outer Banks stickers that people put on right. their cars. <laughs> but no, I'm like, but he's or... in Great Britain, so he wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. But originally, they they were stickers that were meant to signify what country your car was registered in or something like that ah. um so we'll talk about fan service in a minute but i think oh there's tanner drinking a heineken um <laughs> there's good fan service and there's bad fan service there's a lot of bad fan service in this movie towards the end i uh, like the car i like the car i really even though it's cheesy i love when M's complaining about the car and how uncomfortable it is, and he flips the thing open. She's like, go on, man, like, eject me. Yes, yes. I, I love that. <laughs> Even though the gear shift opens the wrong way, but we'll we'll Does let it? that go. Yeah. <laughs> what, did it open a different but, way before? Yeah, the hinge was... Well, it's not the same car. That's true. It's the, It would be the Thunderbolt car or something else, because the Goldfinger car got destroyed. Well, no, this would be the car he won in Casino Royale. That's a great point, although that car would not have an ejector seat button. But he added an ejector seat button. Cause ah, okay. But canonically, <laughs> for this Bond, it would be the car that he won playing that's, cards in Casino that's Royale. That's true. Yeah. But, yeah. And it did get remodified by Q, which we find out in the next movie. Mm-hmm. Boy, it's impressive that they had anything that they were able... They had a frame left that they could remodify. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we go off to Scotland... So we can I, have... I'm a little disappointed he never has a chance to, you know, uh, pull out the spinny death wheel things and carve a line through someone's car. <laughs> no, maybe the next movie. And then make them realize that they suddenly had a double blowout, but not notice the giant gash in the side of their car. <laughs> You're not going to let that go, are you? I'm never going to let that go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Meanwhile, Mallory is fully on board with them and their plan to escape here, which, again, now we we know Mallory is a good on the good side. Mm-hmm. Lots of establishing shots of Scotland here. Yes. 
Just a couple. So these uh these shots of the Scottish Moors here, they're actually that's it was actually the same area that they used in the world is not enough to be where the oil fields were. Oh, the Azerbaijan. Yes. Oh, okay. Just in, sort of interesting. Yeah. Because the world I, is not enough, they also have a Scottish manor, but it was a completely different one. Right. This is like the most Scottish place I can imagine. Oh, yeah. So Skyfall <laughs> Lodge was built for this movie. It is not yeah, a real place. I read they were going to film somewhere that actually existed and then didn't for some reason. Probably because they had to blow it up. But... <laughs> Probably because they had to blow it up, yes. <laughs> yeah. Because this is early in the in the 2000s but they didn't blow up the real building they built they blew up uh models of the building right oh of course oh this was also the korean demilitarized zone and die another day oh interesting okay (laughs) they really like this area i guess yeah but they did a good job building a manor that looks ancient oh yeah this this definitely looks like it's been there a while Mm -hmm. speaking of ancient albert finney lives here all right, so Albert Finney's supposed to be Sean Connery, right? Yes, I think that actually was something they thought of to do, and they real they I think what they thought was that's just going to take everyone out of the movie. I mean, it would have, but it would have been cool. Yeah. Also, it I mean, cool. would he have even done it? He was fully retired at this point. Yeah, but I, mean, I mean, I that I don't mind Albert Finney. I think Albert Finney was turning up as the weird old guy in a lot of movies at this point in yeah. his career. I. And I but I definitely, it definitely feels like this was supposed to be Sean Connery in the same way that that guy in Star Trek Discovery was definitely supposed to be Jason Isaacs. That guy. It, the guy that they pick, that they go searching for in Riza to get a, the clue oh. to find Jason Isaacs. That was clearly supposed to be Jason Isaacs, and then they couldn't get it. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. <laughs> like, I mean, they're probably never going to tell us that, but I'm... It just feels that way, right? It could have been, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but yes, Albert Finney is here. So, is M's name actually Emma, or did Albert Finney just mishear and just keep calling her that? So, I think he just misheard it, and I think that makes it cute. Yes. Because Bond calls her M, and he just assumes he means, he said Emma. Mm-hmm. So he just calls her Emma the whole time. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And I do kind of like the Home Alone stuff. So, according... A prop from the final scene of Skyfall where M bequeaths some of her possessions to Bond, it's the paperweight, uh-huh. reveals her character's her character was given the name Olivia Mansfield. Okay. However, because the character was never directly referenced by the name on screen, it is unresolved whether that is canonical or not. So here's the question. Are you required to have a last name that starts with M to be M? It seems that way because... So unless... The Robert Brown M is actual Admiral Hargreaves, which I don't I think he is. Think it makes, no, you don't think that's him? I mean, he could be. Because Bernard Lee has been in the books is referred to as Miles Messervy. Yes. And then, and he's actually called Miles on screen mm-hmm. by uh, Gogol. And then this would be Olivia Mansfield mm-hmm. was her last name, and then Mallory. So. Yeah, it's, it's it's a requirement. Like, if your last name's not doesn't start with M, you can't be M. That means Money Penny will eventually be M. Ooh, that would work. We're, we're talking over the uh, the Home Alone setup here. Yes. All right. <laughs> so, I like the theoretical idea of the exploding light bulbs. Mm-hmm. 
I think in reality, the instant you turned that on, it would just rather than explode the explode that uh, gunpowder, it would blow the fuses that are providing the electricity in the first place. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> As we were talking about before we started recording this, I, I don't, we don't think that this house has grounded wiring or anything like, yeah, anything and... that's even safe. And certainly not, yeah, I doubt that wiring is rated for any sort of high amperage. And, no. Yeah, it would have had those old, the old screw-in fuses. The only thing I can think of is maybe at one point the fuses broke and Albert Finney replaced them with pennies. Because if that happened, <laughs> if that happened, then yes, we really could have the explosions. Also, the house would catch on fire. Yeah. Because that was the thing people used to do, who... You know, people who were idiots, but it was the thing that people <laughs> used to do. If their fuse broke, if you stuck a penny in, it would, you know, complete the circuit. Yeah, that seems like a bad idea. Oh, terrible idea, but it was a thing people did. <laughs> also, you can't even, you couldn't even do it today because penny is only like 30% copper now. It would, it would melt. Yeah. <laughs> So we get this scene here with M and Bond, and you made an observation with some of her dialogue. Oh, yeah. Well, she uh, drops the F-bomb, which is the first time yeah. that's ever happened in a Bond film. I don't think it happened again in, in Spectre, so you may be right. Yeah. And I've, I'm embarrassed to say I'd never noticed that before. At least it never clicked to me that that was something. Yeah, so, you know, that's a thing that happened. So how long does this sequence take for them to attack the house and everything? Yeah, I wondered this. <laughs> if we accept that it is, in fact, not yet fully dark when they start attacking, and then becomes dark, then it takes quite a while. Or yeah. we could say th we could just assume they're using terrible day for night at the beginning of the, the sequence. I think it's still, I think it's dusk. All right. I mean, surely they've managed to figure out how to do better day for night by this point. Well, I mean, it's better than On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Oof. <laughs> You don't actually see the sun. <laughs> <laughs> or th there are those those sequences when the skis where they're just like, the heck with it. We're not even going to pretend anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's suddenly daylight. Well, I'm, th I'm thinking of the, the beach scene in the beginning of Honor Oh, yeah, Reserves, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. in a couple shots you even see the sun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. It's not great, but... So to, to go back to your your Sean Connery point, I really feel like the "Welcome to Scotland" line was oh, yeah. definitely written for Sean Connery to say. Absolutely, as the only Scotsman who has played Bond, yeah. Silva shows up in the least subtle way possible on a helicopter blaring rock music. And... Why? No, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I I've said that I think this is a really well shot a good-looking film from an aesthetic standpoint. I think one thing they screwed up was M getting injured. It didn't. Like, I, I, I know where it happens now. Yeah. It took me a few viewings to catch it. Yeah. And I, it wasn't really necessary. He could have injured her in the chapel that would yeah. cause her to die. She didn't have yeah. to get wounded now. Right. But she randomly gets injured in the gunfight that ensues. Mm-hmm. Another moment of fan service that I sort of enjoy is 
they blow up his car and he looks up and they immediately play the Bond theme and he's pissed off and he's going to blow up the house now. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yeah. So yeah, by this point, you know, they've lost the... I also like when he shoots a circle in the ice. Yeah, that's clever. I I could do without the entire frozen pond lake thing. Okay, yeah, but since they have it... (laughs) Yeah, Bond can hold his breath for a long time. Yeah, he can. And that water's pretty damn cold. Yeah, but also, that is not Daniel Craig. (laughs) No, it is not. He's not even wearing a rubber Daniel Craig mask. (laughs) I mean, I do like... You know, him getting onto the lake because he's running in darkness with the stuff, and then he just is like, oh, crap, I'm on a frozen lake now. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's pretty good. Uh, he's lucky that guy had a flare on him. Yeah. I, I like when uh, Silva sees the tombstone for Bond's parents and just sort of laughs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a nice touch. So then Silva's about to kill him, but Bond comes to the rescue. Yep. Silva just sort of dies because he Bond throws a knife into his back. Yep. I mean, I don't understand. I guess maybe it's not a problem. Like, you know, Silva catches up with M and then says, like, let's shoot each other through the head thing. I mean, I guess he knows he's not going to get out of here, but. Still a little weird. Yeah. I do like when M M says, I guess it's too late to make a run for it. And Bond says, I'm game if you are. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good scene. I, I think this is a good scene. Mm-hmm. I, I like M's last words being, I got one thing right in reference to Bond. I think uh-huh. that's, that's nice. And, I, you know, I was, at the beginning, I was complaining about Bond having emotions and whatnot. I, I like it here. Yeah. Like, he actually cries a mm-hmm. little bit, which I appreciate. Yep. And Money Penny, yep. we cut to London, and Money Penny gives mm-hmm. Bond what M left in his will, which is the ugly dog. Yep. As her way of being saying, you know, don't take a desk job. <laughs> so yeah, it, you commented, I think, that it's sort of weird that he didn't know Money Penny's name until now. Yes. I mean, they could have even had Bond say, "Well, thank you, Money Penny," or something. The yeah. So the way this scene works is, you know, he says, "I don't think we've ever been introduced," and she says, "Oh, well, my name's Eve, Eve Money Penny," and. The way she reads the line is a lot like, okay, here we go again, in Star Trek Into Darkness, <laughs> where... I would just batch. like to point was... out that in this episode, it's almost entirely been Carl who's bringing yes. Star Trek. <laughs> but no, it, it's exactly the, my name is Khan moment, yes. where the people listening to the line in the in the universe are going to say, okay... And the people That's... who, for whom that line matters, have already figured out that he was Khan. Yes. You know, with all the cryogenically frozen super soldiers, like, oh, well, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why Bond couldn't have called her Eve throughout the movie. And, you know, Tanner comes out of the office, the, the great office that we're about to go into, even though there's a door missing. <laughs> and... He could have just acknowledged, you know, he says a line to Bond, and he could have just, like, acknowledged her and said, Miss Moneypenny, or something like that, yeah. and left. And it would have worked, it would have been fine. The only thing, so that is a little odd, but I still love this whole sequence. The only thing it's missing is Bond throwing a hat on the hat rack. Yep. 
which I think would have just been the icing on the... That would have been fan service I could get behind. Yes. But I do love that we have the padded door, even if it is just one. Oh, and door. we we go into the the wood paneled office, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, it's that it's that wide shot they cut to. Oh yeah, it's just great. <laughs> where he says, where where Mallory says, "Lots to be done." Throws the folder down. Mm-hmm. Bond looks at it, and then are you ready to get back to work? And they cut to the wide shot, and it's the office that M has been in since Doctor No. Yep. Yeah, it's great. And then it goes to the gun barrel, which also makes yeah. perfect sense in this instance. Right. Because, weirdly, we've spent a movie with Bond is old, but then now it's, you know, it's finishing the reboot from Casino Royale. Yeah. Where now we have Money Penny, now we have Q, now we have the office we all know and love. It's oh, everything where it needs to be. And that means the next movie is going to be amazing, right, Carl? Yes. Exactly. It's going to be a great Bond adventure. Oh, yeah. It's going to be... I'm just going to love every minute of Spectre from start to finish. I'm watching the credits. I like how Wolf Blitzer is credited as CNN News Anchor. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't get himself credit. That's amazing. (laughs) Who was the BBC... Oh, I'm going to look up that BBC News Anchor. BBC News Anchor was Hugh, H-U-W. Yeah, I see that. That, That is a great... British anchor name right there. He is, in fact, a BBC News presenter. Okay. Hugh Edwards. All right. <laughs> it's Welsh, which makes sense because the Welsh oh, yeah. have, Hugh. Yeah. have yeah. all sorts of names that that sound just like English names but are spelled completely differently. Yep. All right. So, yes, he is a real British BBC News presenter, according to Wikipedia. Okay. All right. So, that's Skyfall. That's Skyfall, yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I I enjoyed this way more than I expected to. I may have been talking it down. You've been uh, talking it down a lot over the course of this. Yeah, I still think it's a great first half of a movie, <laughs> and I think it's a clumsy second half of a movie that doesn't make sense. Sure. Yeah, no, it's great. I I, I enjoyed it. It's. I would say it's definitely my second favorite of the Craig era. Okay. Someday that opinion may change. We'll find out. Yeah, I, and I, I stand by what we... I think we both said this last week, that it's sort of the world is not enough of the Craig era. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a Which fun movie. Which makes mo- sense, because that's my second favorite of the uh, Bros. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, where you have... You have one... Okay, but Die Another Day is a lot more fun than Spectre. It, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I think Wait. I think the analogy falls apart next week. But it, well, I mean, from a, from a very macro level, you have the really, really, really good one. Mm-hmm. You have the fun one, the fun, fun yet occasionally stupid one, I guess. <laughs> you have the forgettable one, and then you have the bad one. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> but no, Die Another Day is definitely better than Spectre. Spectre has better visual effects than Die Another Day. I'll give it that. Oh, well, I think Thunderball has better visual effects <laughs> than, than Die Another Day. The water does look real in Thunderball. Well, the Thunderball has all that undercranking on the boat at the end. So. <laughs> yes, and, and, and And Sean Connery and, and uh, 
what's his name Largo like working the hell out of that wheel in front of the blues the the rear projection. Oh yes, <laughs> that the, the same island that they go by like four times. That they would <laughs> totally have hit multiple times based yes. on that video. Yeah. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But there's also the guy with the champagne, so you know. Oh, champagne guy. Yeah, or that that fight scene in the chateau with the sliding chair and everything. It's st- still works better than uh, than Bond windsurfing. Yeah, but then they, it also has that really dumb like helicopter rescue at the end. Oh, the 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 plane that like a picks plane, up a yeah, the plane thing that I you've complained that about so at least like five times. I think I had to do it again. I hate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's none of that. And the jetpack. This movie, you know, to to. This movie needed the Thunderball jetpack as some fan service. No. No, it didn't. <laughs> no, just imagine, that's how Bond fights uh, Silva. He uses the jetpack and fights him while he's still in the helicopter. He, he That's how he gets off of the frozen lake. Yes! I love it! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this movie has a much better ending than Die Another Day, though. Or I'm I'm sorry. Uh, this movie has a much better ending than The World Is Not Enough. Like, there's no bad yes. Christmas puns at the end of this one. That is true. So thank goodness for that. You, yeah. In fact, this one doesn't end with a love scene at all. No. I mean, there's none of the bond. None of the Craigs have ended that way, though. That's true. Oh yeah, they just drive away at the end of Spectre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, but yeah, we'll, so we'll one more to go. next week, which I have. Yeah, I have seen once since the theater. I think. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I when I bought the disc, I watched it <laughs> once. The next one should definitely be "Never Say Never Again" because it's or like the most be, official it, of the unofficial. Or should it be Casino Royale? No, Casino Royale is a parody, though. Okay, so we'll watch that afterwards. Yeah. Okay, so we'll do Never Say Never Again, mm-hmm. and then we'll do Casino Royale, and then... Maybe Austin Powers? Ooh, maybe. I still want to do Our Man Bashir. Absolutely. We have some We have some ideas. Yeah. We should maybe even do Remington Steel. Ooh, five seasons. <laughs> that could be... We, we'll have to change the podcast to License to Steel, though. <laughs> <laughs> that might actually be a title of one of the episodes. <laughs> I hope um, it is. Well, because all of the episodes have a steel pun of course in the title. Do. That's amazing. Yeah. You've never watched the show, have you? I have not, no. Okay. It it's a it's it's fun. Alright, well thank you for listening to us this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at Podspiel, or you can send us an email at spielpodcast at gmail.com. And then you can also find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. You can find me on Twitter at listening to film. But yeah, we'll we'll kick we'll around some ideas out. and and let y'all know once we figure that out. Uh, or you can be surprised. Who knows? That's also true. Yeah. But uh, until then, license to spiel license. will return. <laughs>